podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say to describe this one. And welcome to this week's episode of Copper and Fracas, powered by Tussan. I'm your host, Chris, and you're probably sitting there thinking, this doesn't sound like my usual Copper experience. Where's all the people giggling in the background and saying, pause this, pause that? Well, it's because it's not going to be a usual Copper experience this week. It's going to be a bit, it's going to be a bit of something different, something you might be used to, something you might not expect. So if you guys don't know, we do a little show called Cop and Carnage in association with the big man, Grizz Khan, who you may know of Big Six fame, over on his YouTube channel, Football Carnage. And of course, we talk about all things LFC, but we do it in a bit of a different format. Obviously, it's live on YouTube. We tend to do it on every Monday, but we decided to do it on a Tuesday instead and combine our main pod experience with the experience of Football Carnage. So after I've stopped rambling, and giving you the usual Patreon plugs. We're going to dive straight into that audio. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, and it was a fantastic show where we talked about all things from Ryan Gravenberch to Andre Trinidade to Costa Shimakas to the Reds' upcoming schedule. And it was a whole host of fun. It was myself, Mush, Ish, and of course, the great and wise Grizz Khan himself. But before we do get stuck into that, if you don't know, then you know now. The Cop and Frackers Patreon page is the place to be. Um, we've had so much cool content in the past few weeks and we've got so much cool content coming up. So just in the past week alone of what has happened and what you can expect, I caught up with Christian Falk of Sport Builds fame. Talk about all things Bundesliga, including Max Erbel, Liverpool's links to Leroy Sané and Jamal Musiala. We even had a little bit of a talk about how Xabi Alonso is doing at Bayer Leverkusen and is Liverpool in his potential future. That's on the Patreon page, and then in the next few days, I will be talking to a popular Fluminese fan from Twitter, also known as X, about Andre Trinidade and, of course, their huge game against Boca Juniors in the Copa Libertadores on Saturday or Sunday, wherever you're listening to. So, patreon.com forward slash Copa and Fracas, and subscribe from just £3 a month. Become part of the Copa and family, and you won't regret it. You'll be glad you did. So, without further ado, here is a little bit of what you can expect from Cop and Carnage. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. A warm, warm welcome. It's been a little while. You know, things have been happening. A load of wins, a loss, a draw. There's been stuff happening. So there's plenty, plenty to get stuck into. Welcome to everyone in the comments section. This is Cop and Carnage, if you don't know. 
This is episode seven. We're going to get stuck in straight away. Grizz, my brother, it's been a little while. You, uh, mm. you dressed for the cold. It was summer the last time we spoke. How are you doing? <laughs> it pretty much was, wasn't it? We were going for a mild spell. We were going, we can't call it a summer, but mild spell. It's been a little while. It's been a combination of my fault, a combination of your fault, a combination of everyone. Because when you win, you win together. When you lose, you lose. Everyone's to, like involved, right? That's how we roll. So, yeah, I'm going to take majority of the blame. Of course, I've been blessed with a with a, with a baby girl. Obviously, since then, so I've been a bit, bit busy, as you can imagine, sleepless nights again. Uh, but we're back. Liverpool seem to be back, uh, and plenty get to get stuck in. I'm a uh, pleasure to be here. You actually it is a pleasure to be here, but my tea's cold because of you. Because normally, I like to drink my tea whilst on the show, but because you're like seven, eight minutes late. Right after telling us to become ten minutes early, my tea is now cold. But it's no problem. You owe me a kebab. You owe me ribs. You owe me a cup of tea now. We're going burnt smokehouse. That's burnt smokehouse. That was the one. Yeah, the ribs. Are, apparently, the ribs there are insane. Insane. My brother was telling me. Yeah, and to join us in this discussion, Ish, how we doing? Regular, how we feeling today? Well, I'm good, man. I know you said already that winter's here, but when Liverpool are winning, the skies are blue, the sun is shining, birds are singing. I have not one complaint right now, bro. Back to back clean sheets. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hope everyone else is good as well. See, I've only known Ish for a little while. Mm. Only for a little while. But I think I'm a man who can work things out very quickly. And if Ish ain't got nothing to complain about, Liverpool must be doing so. <laughs> Am I right? Used he's to going, he's going, he's going. so Christian Mush know him much better than me. Am I, I, I right, like guys? Like yeah, yeah Chris, Chris isn't, I mean, sorry, Ish isn't, you know, isn't a stranger to letting his feelings known, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there, there'll still be a few things through the season that he'll want to get off his chest. But E10, yeah, there we go. E10, E10, E10 small cow settings, bruv. That's what we're going to be at. They know. And last, but by no means least, dressed in his best of big tech, Steve Jobs, the money man himself, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I've been doing my greatest Pep Guardiola with hair impression today. Honestly, I was in a meeting and I, honestly, I, I, I just stopped doing things with my hands. And, I stopped doing things with my hands. And I was like, yeah, you know, so big, so wide, you know, the plans that we're doing. But um, hey, honestly, when, when we're in the form that we're in, it's hard not to be uh, the fake tactico that I am to go for it all. I couldn't think of a better bunch of lads to do it with than you guys. Awesome. And just before we really get stuck into things, everyone in the comments section, I want to start off, normally we start off with a where are you tuning in from, but I actually want to start off with something different. In this last week, we've seen three matches, right? We've had the Everton game, we've had the Toulouse game, and we've had the Forest game. I want you to tell me, not who's been the best player, but who's been your favourite player this past week. And I, I want to I know why you've asked this, but I'm not going to say nothing. Yeah, no, no, no. Grizz thinks I've already got, I'm, I'm trying to yes. premeditate an answer, but I'm not. Anyway, <laughs> and, and before we do get started, I do want to say, because morality means a lot to me and these kind, kind boys here, shout out to everyone going through struggles, going through very difficult things throughout the world. We are so privileged to just talk about the football team we love and have that as one of the very few problems that we have. 
so much more going on. And that includes anyone watching. I'm sure you've got your own things happening. So sending you love, sending you peace. That's what we're all about. And um, in case you want to know who we are, I mean, I'm sure you'll know who Grizz is. You are on his channel after all. But we are the Cop and Fracas boys. We record pods. We do our thing. And Krish, I'm sure I'd, I'd lay the floor out to you here and let everyone know the repertoire of things that we do offer. Good Lord, we do so much stuff and you, you couldn't have put it in a better way, Mush. The thing that we do, this 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 thing that we've created in association with Grizz in association with Touchline, it's to take our minds off, you know, the monotony, monotony of what's going on in the world. We have this 90 minutes per week where we take our mind off everything that's going on and we just focus on the fantastic 11 lads that are on the pitch. Uh, and we're gracious enough to be able to talk about that. We've been in a privilege, we're in a position where we're privileged to talk about that. Um, and we do it every Wednesday um, on the Carpenter and Fracas main pod, which is out for free. And we have been absolutely hammering away at our Patreon page. So in the past week alone, uh, I caught up with Christian Fork last Friday to talk about all things Bundesliga. Uh, we talked about all things Liverpool being linked with Leroy Sane. We talked about all things Max Erbel, potentially going to Bayern Munich or Liverpool. Uh, we talked about Jabby Alonso, how he's doing in the Bundesliga and what the future could look like for him. And of course, we had a little bit of talk about England's Harry Kane so I had a really good talk with him that is on the Patreon page um, we're going to try and put a uh, excerpt from that on this week's pod as well so just give you a little bit of a taste of what we're about um, and some other stuff we've got coming up in the next week um, we'll be talking to a Fluminese account um, fan pod about Andre so we'll be getting a bit more of a deep dive on him what Liverpool, what Liverpool fans could potentially expect from him in the January window and obviously as they gear up for that massive Copa America game over the weekend, that's going to be a must-watch. Um, Gri Grizz himself came up with an exclusive about who is at the Maracanana uh, this weekend too. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But yeah, man, pay, um, that's the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash copper and fracas. Um, subscribe from just as £3 per month. But honestly, in any form of support that we get, whether it's a listen from the main pod, an interaction on our Twitter page, an interaction on this YouTube page, we appreciate you and we appreciate everything that you do to help support us. So thank you very much amazingly put and um chris is going to throw in a link as well to that patreon page in the chat so keep an eye out throughout and um actually lfc aaron made a great point as well my point about you know empathy and warmth i mean we can't even imagine what someone like luis diaz is going through at the moment at the end of the day however much we do care about it football is is just a game and, and the families who love and support us and are the foundations of everything we do come way above this sport so um yeah, Chris, anything you want to say about the Luis Diaz situation? No, we, uh, well, I don't mean no as in I've got nothing to say. Uh, we've said we've said um, our part on, on the show yesterday and on the Redfellas um, and, of course, uh, echo everything that you've said, of course. And just, yeah, we can't even envisage, imagine. We're sat here all cosy roads and what these people are going through, of course, in, 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 in Gaza and, of course, Luis Diaz family sending the most 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 positive thoughts and prayers and hopefully he's reunited with his with his father all well and safe brilliant so i think through all of that difficulty that we're talking about let's do what we do best let's relieve all that stress onto our love of this football team and ish no better time to kind of lift our spirits when we're coming off a week of three wins Things are looking on the up for so many different players. Just on a, on an emotional level, how you've been feeling watching the team? 
been good, man. Been good. It's kind of what we well, what I expected from this little run, kind of post the I think the Brighton game was probably the last game before the international break. We all kind of looked at the fixtures and said, We want we want wins. We want to see our, our form board and just see green, 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 green up until the city game. And so far for the three games, I think our aggregate score is 10-1. Um two back-to-back clean sheets in the in the league, which is something I've been kind of We've been winning games this season, but I've always been like, clean sheet would have been nice. Clean sheet would have been nice. Up until this point, we only had the the Villa game at home, which is our only clean sheet. So it's been nice to get this little run together. The whole squad has kind of been utilised as well, which is another thing we've kind of got onto clock for previous seasons. It's not really rotating heavily enough, but we've seen the bulk of the squad get used, even some of the youngsters against Toulouse. So listen, much like you said at the top of the show, right now, for this maybe two, three days until the next next set of games, I have no complaints. Life is good. I have nothing to say. I have nothing bad to say. Even the players who I normally get onto, they're doing their thing. They're doing their thing. We're talking about other guys. Quiet, yeah? Are we allowed to name? Are we allowed to name them? Hey, listen. The guy that was <laughs> on the back, he, he's looking good right now, man. He's looking good right now. Oh so, shit! Okay, so you've not been got, okay. I got no complaints. I ain't got no complaints. Last good. Last good. But we'll see. We'll see how the game goes on Wednesday to the weekend goes. But as of, as of right now. The red server, we're, we're cooking, we're cooking slowly. Nice. And and I guess, you know, we're talking about a week's worth of games here. I don't want to do, you know, a long match review of every game. It's more about kind of things that you saw, things that you were worried about. Grizz, I mean, are we, me, Chris, Ish, we've all talked on the pod in our group. I'd be interested to know from you, obviously, Ish was saying how we've come off of two games without a win in Spurs and Brighton. And then we kind of went into the Everton one where there was pressure there. There was pressure on a, on a derby level. There was pressure on a need to get back to winning ways if we want to achieve stuff level. Um, how were you feeling before the game? And how do you think the team responded to that kind of expectation? So even though we were winless in those two games, we all know even the, the glass half empty guys, let's say, knew that they were almost fake results in terms of we didn't deserve to lose either game or, or drop points, sorry, I should say, in either game. We should have definitely not lost to Spurs. We know the circumstances around it. And we know Brighton, you know, last 10-minute set-piece goal, we had chances, namely uh, Graven Birch, uh, who, who should have put the game out of sight at 3-1. But the consensus was the the performances preluding the, those two games um, was very, very good. And what we all, I think, agreed on, most Liverpool fans, was the next four fixtures in the league are must-wins before the Man City away game. Because Everton, um, who did we play yesterday? Nottingham, Everton, Nottingham Forest, Luton. And Bournemouth, I believe, is it? Brentford at home. Brentford, yeah. These are the four games that we said that we need to convert. So we all said, what a very good start to the season. Wow, what a good start to the season. But to turn it into a, hello, what a brilliant start to the season. We needed to maximise four wins out of the, those four games I've mentioned. And two, we've, we've swatted away, I'd say. I think that's the best way of putting it. We've swatted away two of those games. Luton away will be a different type of fixture. Of course, the size of the pitch, ground, everything. 
and then Brentford, we've we've seen only a few days ago against Chelsea, can be a bit awkward to play against. So two different kind of tests, and then obviously, in my opinion, the ultimate test in 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 European football right now, which is going away to Etihad. So yeah, it's been a it's been a very good start, and it's been an excellent start to the period that we said that we need to overcome to make it a brilliant start. And, I mean, Chris, I'll come to you for this. I mean, Ish talks about how, you know, our aggregate score is approximately 10-1. You know, we've, we've got goals. We've got great defending happening. What What's kind of a theme that you felt kind of represents the week that's just gone and, and you feel the team has really shown? In consistent intensity. There's not been... Nice. There's not been one thing from last season that's popped his head up at all. And obviously there's been so much change and we look at them in the midfield for a start. There's just an abundance of technical ability in that midfield. And it's just so nice to see, even when it's chopped and changed against Toulouse, it was still there. Against Everton, it was there. Against Forest, it was definitely there. It's just being able to have all these different chess pieces that we can use in this midfield is just so nice and refreshing to see. And even when circumstances aren't going for them, so even though they were clearly dominating against Forest, because they didn't score in the first 20 minutes of the game, they didn't get in that own head and thinking, it's just not going to happen today, especially against that kind of low block. So just having that consistency to keep going and going and going and, know, and trusting in themselves to know a result will come, it's just been really refreshing to see. Oh, it's just so good. So good talking about positive, all this positive stuff about the team. I, I want to get into, and Grizz is probably going to laugh, I want to get into one of the main events of the evening, which is to celebrate a player who, you know, has been eased into the team. A young man who is showing a huge amount of talent, a huge amount of ability and variety in his game. Before we even get started, we're going to be talking about Ryan Gravenberch, but I want to know from the comments, I've got my question for you guys, which is, by the end of the season, what do you think Ryan Gravenberch will be worth as a transfer fee? Not because we want to sell him. I just want to know what you think he'll be worth as a player by the end of the season. But... Let's get into it, man. Chris, I haven't really heard you talk about Graven Merch. Not in the same, not saying that you don't talk about him, but I haven't heard your opinions on him. We've been waxing lyrical. I don't know if we, us in our little echo chamber are overstating it, but this past week, Toulouse game, Everton game, Forest, what, what have you made of him as a starting key player for the team? Impressive, man. Impressive. He's showing glimpses. And I say glimpses because it's still a small sample size, regardless of how much we want to go overboard with him, regardless of how much we want him to do amazingly well. The sample size, if we're going to use the same sort of measuring stick we use for other players in the league, other club signings, whatever, it's a small sample size. I believe I believe he's, that was his first start in the Premier League, guys. Someone help me out here. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, did he start? Did he start the derby? I remember. He started. He started against Everton, and then he started yeah. against Toulouse as well. So, so yeah, Toulouse, but by in the league. So Everton was his first league start. Yeah, yeah. And we saw the ability that we or some knew he had um, when we were linked with Ryan Gravenberch. Um, I had uh, shout out to the guys we talk Ajax, uh, the lads from Ajax. Brilliant set of lads. If you want to know any all things Ajax, go and check my guys out. I had a couple of their contributors on. 
and they were like, if Klopp gets hold of Graham and Birch, that's all they kept saying to me. Grizz, if Jurgen Klopp gets hold of Ryan Gravenberch because he's been wasted at Bayern or whatever reason, and we know, we know, without generalising, we know Dutch players can be very moody if not shown a certain level of love and respect, you know. But whatever, that's their problem, that's Bayern's problem, that's Tuchel's problem and the previous manager, uh, Nagelsmann, yeah. their problem. We've now got I believe the young prodigy that was coming through at Ajax, Ryan Gravenberch. I think it's a fresh start for him. Of course, it's a fresh start for him. Sorry, it's evidently a fresh start for him. Mentally, physically, and just you can see the crowd. Like I was at the Everton game, and he's one of those players that gets you off your seat when he gets the ball. Or if not, get off your seat, you, you arch your back like, okay. What's he going to do? He's got that touch. He's got that poise. He's got that balance. And he's a tall guy. And to have that, you know, touch, poise, elegance, not all six-foot-plus mid central midfielders have that. In fact, very few have that. Yeah. And he's a rare he's a rare breed from that angle. So a great start, a positive start. And he's still, he's got, I believe he's got, obviously I'll give you my figure of your question at the end. I believe he's got so much more to give to this team. And I mean, Chris, you're a man who's normally deep in the numbers, a very uh, analytically literate person, I must say. One of one of the one of the most I, I know out of Liverpool fans. In terms of what Grizz is talking about, about there's still levels to go. In terms of what we've seen from Gravenberch so far, what what do you think? Um, kind of previous to him joining, the numbers were showing, kind of. We've still got left to see. What 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 do the numbers dictate in terms of what we can still look forward to? I think a lot of his progressive carries more than anything. I mean, that's where he, he's made the majority of his of his of his money in such a short career so far. Someone in the comments said that he's like Lalana on steroids, and that's probably the most accurate depiction I've ever heard of of him in in, in his career. The way he's on the half turn is just absolutely sublime. He's just such a phenomenally technically gifted footballer. And the one big worry that I had when we signed him was, especially for the how how we play and what we require from a lot of our wider midfielders is being able to kind of engage in the press and engage in duels, winning those duels. And he, he's winning them at a high rate. I mean, the numbers against Toulouse alone were, were quite staggering. Um, to do what he did in the Merseyside derby as well was really good. I'm, I'm just looking to see how we continuously keep moulding this, moulding him as a footballer. Because he's, he's like, it's like Chris said, it's massive. It, it, this is such a massive loss for Bayern Munich, considering like the state of their midfield now. Um, you know, they've got so many players kind of creeping into their uh, into their kind of like mid thirties that will need replacing. And you know, their loss is our gain. It's just such a massive coup. So I'm looking to see how we can unleash him more, kind of with his, with his progressive gains in that aspect. And I feel like a lot of his um, a lot of his passing hasn't been utilised properly as, as of yet. You know, we're not required from that left hand side of midfield role. Yeah, man, the, the, the sky is the limit for him. And just looking forward to seeing how we can continue continue his development. Yeah, man. And I mean, Ish, what have been some of your kind of moments that you've been most impressed with when it comes to Gravenberch so far? It's, it's the first touch, man. It's, it's the first touch. The first touch is just getting yeah. him. It's not, only, it's not only getting him out of danger, it's getting us into really dangerous positions. And I'm getting a bit... Would you say it's the best at the club? The first touch? Yeah, 
in the sense of that it can open up so many doors. I think good question. Like, I think someone like Fallon's got an amazing first touch, which I think is a bit underrated. But a lot of it is bringing the ball into control. Whereas I think yeah, yeah. his what makes him kind of special and what makes him kind of stand out is that. Like I said, he's getting it on the half turn and then within one touch, the whole pitch is opening out for him and he's kind of setting us off on the, on the transition. But for me, I, I'm I'm myself getting a bit bored of the comparisons between midfielders that left in the summer. But I think when I watch Gavin, but he's one of the ones which makes me think the most, God, how far we've come from last year. Because like I said, some of the stuff he's able to do in terms of transitioning us from, at, at, from defence to attack in a split second with, with one touch... Boy, I was I was crying for this last season. I was I was on my, my praying for midfielder like him last season, and I think Klopp said either today or in the, in the last pre-match that as good as he's been, this is maybe like 40 percent of what he can be. And I just think it's just exciting, man, to have a player like him with such a kind of specific skill set and such a kind of he's very different from the rest of our midfielders. And I just I can't wait to see how he progresses for, for us. I think he's going to be special. Do you know what? Special. Do you know what that that. I'm so sorry, I forgot who said that uh, Lalana comment. I think it was Arj. Do you know what, guys? Like, I know we're saying it's something completely different to what we've been used to, right? And it's true. It is, right? We've had efficient midfielders, workhorse, blah, 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 but not very progressive. Ginny could do it. Like, there was moments, there was games where Ginny did do it. But if we go back to the start of the clock tenure... Maybe it was something he was trying to cook back then with Lalana, but Lalana yeah, Emre Chan used to do it as well. And when... Emre Chan. So Lalana was utilized in that role a couple, you know, in the early, early days. But obviously we know Lalana's physical attributes weren't matching his brain and his intelligence. But this guy, I think that's a great example. I didn't even think about that uh, 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 a comparison. So maybe Jurgen Klopp's original master plan for Liverpool or is his vision of Liverpool is coming to fruition in the Liverpool 2.0? Potentially. I mean, I, I think what Ish was saying is, I completely agree. I actually think he's nothing to do with the previous generation Liverpool midfielders kind of in the, in the team before because we have literally never had a player who can beat someone with their first touch and then carry the ball forward. Like, we've had Emre Chan who can maybe carry it. We've had Thiago who maybe has a nice touch. Who else puts the ball together like that? I mean, I, I don't think there is anyone else. But, yeah, I think we, we need to just make sure that he just feels like he's in an environment where he can keep expressing himself. I think Chris is spot on in terms of passing. Maybe he's felt like, I don't want to do too much coming into the team because it took time to break in. But... I don't mind a player taking a risk with something creative. I don't really th think we've seen him try any through balls or anything yet. So I think we've, I mean, it's what, like Grizz was saying, there's just so much to come. And, and it's just so exciting that, like we keep saying, this entire group of midfielders are growing together. We might see the best of them in two, three years' time. And even in their development phase, they might win two or three cups, which is an insane transition period to have. So, um, so yeah, super exciting. I saw, Grizz, you might want to share it. There was a comment from Total Eclipse. I like Question. this one. Never you're supposed to be that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't, we, 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 that's who's Bremen's problem now, yeah? yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we've got Total Eclipse ask me a question, but I think this can come to all of you. Um, so, Andre, of course, 
kind of heavily linked, like Chris said at the start of the episode. Two other midfielders you're starting alongside him. Now, easy answer is to say that every game requires a different set of players and a different set of skills. Um, and that's always going to be the natural answer. But let's say it is this. Imagine we're playing against Man City. Um, Man City at home. Who would be the two players that you think would play either side of Andre if Andre were the one to even start in central midfielder, central defensive midfielder? For me, it's easy. These guys can debate about it and think about it. For me, it's easy. Well, there's no way I'm playing Andre and McAllister in the same team. It would have to be oh, really? one or the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would definitely be the powerhouses next to him. So even though Andre's, I'd say Andre's a more tenacious McAllister, okay. uh, a more robust McAllister. Would you say more defensively minded? Much more defensively minded, yeah. Much more natural uh, in terms of defensive awareness. And then if that was the case, and that's harsh on McAllister or whatever, but you put me on the spot and said, if, you know, he mm. came and had to make a choice, because we're going to touch upon McAllister, of course. And then it'd have to be one of Jones or Gravenberch. I'd say Jones has still got that position above Gravenberch. Okay. Along, alongside, you know, I named him, uh, uh, I named him Demonic Sabozalai. Uh, <laughs> like uh, it was accidental. It wasn't meant to be, uh, you know, me and my pronunciations. But everyone said, yo, let's stick with Demonic. So, yeah, he's a demon, man. He's like, Sabozalai's probably, for me, here we go, guys. For me, alongside Salah and Allison and Virgil, he's there. He's the first name. He's, he's in that category of name on this team sheet. He players, yeah? I'm telling he's in that, he's in A category. A, category A. I hear it because I, hear, I was just going to say, I hear it because I think the drop off between him and you'd say his deputy is probably Elliot, really, isn't it? From that sort of right side of the eight. You could play, you could play Gravenberch or Jones. There yeah, well, I guess Jones played there in the Toulouse game, I wouldn't mm. say, but in kind of the, the natural pecking order, you'd say like Jones and Gravenberch are kind of fighting for that left sided role, and then on the, on the right, it's Sobers like then Elliot. Then I, I guess if you look at like that, you can say because that that is quite a big drop off. But I still think that if you're talking first first names on the team sheet, Salah, Van Dyke, and Allison, they're still a level above anyone else in terms of like. No, I agree. No, but I'm saying he's in that category of. I put him in the you know fourth then. All right, no problem. I can accept that, and that's real as well. Do you think he's? Do you think he's? Un, do you think he's? Do you think he's undroppable right now? Do you think there's no way if we're, if we're playing like 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 um Rich said. City tomorrow, you, there's no way. No, no, no way. You tell me otherwise. If you think otherwise. No, I hear it. I hear it. I, no, I no, don't. I I, honest to God, man. This guy is like... I, we all seen the YouTube clips and we may have seen games of Leipzig, especially in the Champions League when they played against Man City. And I can't remember. Someone else. Everyone knows about his shot. Everyone knows about his running power, dribbling. Yes. Ball striking. Ball striking. I didn't know about his maturity and his game intelligence. I did not know yeah. it. I know it now. And at 22, it's frightening. Frightening. And, I mean, 
Okay, Chris, your your answer to that question then. Let me see if yours is different. Um, I need to be careful because if we do sell Andre, I think I've made claims that I'd go for the Andre mustache. So that's going to be <laughs> on the cards at some point. Um, fantastic, fantastic mustache on that fella. I, I want him for that alone. Um, I think it'd be you'd have to play Jones and Sabozlai to be fair. Uh, just from how tactically switched on they are. And nice. I mean, we all saw City at the weekend. Um, you got Gavardio popping up at left wing like 20 times a game. So you're going to have to have some midfielders who've got some legs that can like be positionally aware and kind of figure out those movements. So those would be the uh, those would be the two guys for me. Okay, cool. I, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with what, what Grizz has said in terms of how important Sabozla is. And that's nothing to do with how good Sabozla is. I would actually argue that we have a lot of talented midfielders. So some of the other players missing is a bigger miss than who can deputise for Sabozla. If you told me Jones and Gravenberch have to play against an Arsenal or something like that, I would have full faith that, that they would perform really well. So so that would probably be, you know, it's just, it's just such a strong area for us. And it's just insane that if I asked you same thing four months ago, that midfield, do you think midfield will be our strongest area of the pitch? You, you guys would have <laughs> So, yeah, awesome. Um, but let's talk about another midfielder who I think after the Brighton performance got a really tough time. Um, mm. Obviously had come from an international break and just, you know, went back to his old club and had a really, really tough time. Um, and that's Alexis McAllister, who is still learning a role, which is very different to who he is. Um, Grizz, Alexis, were we too quick to jump the gun on thinking he can't play this role? Or do you think there's still a better way of playing it than he's playing it at the moment? Um, were we too quick? Were we too quick? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because history proves, especially with Klopp, give him time to use the attributes of said player in his formation and the way he wants to play and then judge. Again, if I'm going to say it's too much of a small sample size to judge Gravenberg, even though Gravenberg has been good, I have to be fair and say it's too much of a small sample size to write off McAllister in the sixth as well. Uh, I think there's games that he can play there very well, i.e., Laying on Forest on Saturday, where I thought he was immaculate, absolutely immaculate. I think we're being unfair because it's something different. And we know one of the greatest midfielders in recent times, Fabinho, for us, took a whole six months to a year to settle in to that position. So many were writing off Fabinho. Do you remember when Fabinho played in, this, in the single six? Um, a couple of but times. We, could we, you uh, argue that? At Monaco, at Monaco, he was a holding player. And also, I think you've extended that adjustment period way too much, surely. Six months, man. Right. Talking, six months. He played he at Arsenal. It. Yeah, man. He played against Arsenal yeah, at, Emirates. at the Emirates and it was horrible. It was horrible. horrible. Yeah. It took six months, man. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, he only, did. Uh, um, uh, sorry, go on, Ish. No, it's just the only thing I will say, yeah, and I, I do mm. agree with you, Grizz, in the sense that We've been quite up and down in our judgment of him. But again, I think his form has been quite up and down. But I still don't think, whatever date we go to the Etihad, I don't 
100% feel comfortable about him looking dead in the eye and seeing Rodri there and saying, listen, I'm the DM, you're the DM. Let's start today. I still don't think... But would you feel that. comfortable at anyone doing that, though? I, I was best, just going to say, Chris, the best a, on the planet. A, 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 the comparison that you've or you've put him up against is is frightening for This is, this is the level we're trying to get right? to, though. This is no, the no, level no, I, I hear to. you. I absolutely understand. And I agree with you there about that aspect and that comparison. But what I would suggest, and I think Klopp is trying to keep putting forward, is he doesn't believe in a six like we believe in a six. He doesn't see a six like we see a six. And that's where we have to hold off our judgment. I agree with you. It, overall, I don't think I don't want McAllister as my physical DM. Like mm. me and you seeing it, like we're envisaging a six. What I'm saying or I'm thinking, I don't think Klopp sees it like us. I think he sees his number six as a controller, i.e. what he wanted Tiago originally as. Right, that's why he bought Tiago, and then more two physical eights that can be his lieutenants, and I think that's the way he wants his team to defend alongside McAllister. But McAllister has great tenacious capabilities as well. It's just we don't see him physically being able to yes. stop a transition. Yeah, look, I think I think the against the forests and the Lutherans of this world, like. Absolutely, he can he can play that. Yeah, but how, but how think, many how many Rogers is he going to come up against in the Premier League? This, no, this is it, and this I completely hear yeah. that. But I still think if you say to Klopp right now, we can even see it by the fact that we're going for Andre. If you, I think if you're saying to Klopp right now, are you still looking to strengthen in that area? He'll say yes. I still think, although he's come out and said, yeah, we want we want like a very rotational thing. We saw that he tried to get Casado in the summer. We saw that he tried to get the end in the summer. I still think Klopp is kind of doing a bit. Not false positivity, but he's just saying because we're in the situation, McAllister is doing a good job. Let's not let's making not do it, basically. Yeah. yeah, he's making do. But listen, if you say look, January the first is coming, clock what's your priority area? I still think he'll say, let me go and grab air. And listen, like you said, they're not going to go and find a rugby straight away ready made. But presence, that's the only thing I feel. I feel like McAllister lacks in that in that area of the pitch. And listen, he's had a good couple of games, but I still think. Those I agree with games. you with the you presence. Someone in there, you can just kind of say, like, you feel them in a the pitch. I'm There's with you. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. But Andre doesn't fill that presence void. This is why. This is why. So this is where I'm thinking. Klopp doesn't see that six like we do. That's why. Or because the market is the market not because like the core was there. No man. No man. He could have got Sangare, for example, who was up against us. He could have got. God, but, but, <laughs> my point. Exactly. but but that's my point. Like so many Liverpool fans were saying, go get Sengare, six foot five, 30 million. Let's go and get some physical beast in there. Klopp didn't, and Klopp hasn't. Mm. Like he's had three or four windows to, to re resolve that what we think is a glaring, glaring gap. He doesn't want his DM or his number six or his deepest midfielder, let's say to be of that mould necessarily. He wants technician first, ball handler first, and then everyone be physical together as a team. But then why, why don't we talk about the actual six that's in our squad? And Chris, we'll come to you for this. We do have a six, and he does play. He plays every Thursday at least, and that's, that's Endo, who scored his first goal and um, seems to be winning quite a lot of plaudits at the moment. Um, Two things. How do you think he's slowly adjusting to the team? Because I feel like 
he's getting the least rope just because of age and, and, and so many other things. And do you think that he's kind of strengthening his claim of being actually a useful player in the Premier League as well? Um, we, we know why he's getting a... Uh the short end of the stick is because literally the whole Caicedo and Lavia stuff happened and they went up with Endo. So it was all, even before, even before that announcement hit, the ink was dry on the contract. Um, he was, he was a marked man really, but he was really good in that Toulouse game. Um, first five minutes, I think, I think for everyone was just kind of getting a little bit adjusted to that game, but no, he, he was really good. I mean, he's, I think he's forward passing in terms of and how he broke the lines in that game it was absolutely sub, sublime. So, I think Chris is completely, completely correct. And this conversation of what we need from our deepest lying player goes into like a deep conversation of what is your modern day number six? Because, I mean, we had the conversation yesterday uh, in in the Coppen group about Jaya Polinia and what could he potentially bring to Liverpool? And I said to to, to, to the the fans of Polinia, show me one compilation with him where he's actually playing a pass that's more than three yards. <laughs> yeah, it got um, spooky. I tried to have a look. It got, it got a bit spooky for me. It wasn't great. And then and then when the, we did the the, the, the the diagrams where we were looking at, you know, the progressive nature of his game, it was basically non-existent. So from the conversation we just talked about, to have like your pure destroyer as a number six who would be starting week in, week out is absolutely insane. But I think what you do have with Endo, you have someone, if you wanted to kind of have that little bit of differentiation, a bit more physicality against your bottom 10 teams, and definitely within what we've seen in this Europa League run, he's completely perfect for it. And now, obviously, it's it's different strokes for different folks, right? He came towards the end of the transfer window as opposed to someone like McAllister and Saboslai, who were at the beginning of the transfer window. So they've had their full preseason. They've gone through that Klopp mini, that Klopp-Linders mini camp that, you know, all... Uh, all the Liverpool players have to go through. So he's just taking his time to adjust. And you know, he's looking like he's going to be... I don't think he's ever going to be an out-and-out starter for us. That was never the plan for him. But he's just there as pure depth. And if he can deliver in the moments that we need him to, that's what we need at the end of the day. Yeah, I hear that. Any Anyone with any further thoughts? I mean, I guess for me, the big thing about Endo is... I mean, I agree with Chris. He's really good at turning on the ball and really good at wanting to play between the lines. I think... The only difference is once you get to Premier League level, you just don't get the chance to turn on the ball as much or you need to do really special things to give yourself that room. And and I don't think he's capable of those special things. I think against anyone, I'd include a Newcastle, whoever, if he's coming on last 10, 15 minutes where we've got a lead and he just needs to be an extra shield of protection, I think he'll be absolutely fine. It's just, you know, that run of 10, 15 games where if we had a big injury crisis and he needed to play, I think the eventual marginal lack of quality would would start to show. But um, I do want to talk about another position. We've talked a lot about midfield. Guys, we had a a debutant. We don't have a lot of those that that play in the team. But Luke Chambers, you know, appeared at left-back. I think we all know what Simicas is. Um... I'm sure the comments will have. I, I think Simicast very diplomatic. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Simicast is the most polarizing player because people either love him and he's the Greek scouser, so on and so forth, and others are rolling their eyes every time he's on the ball. So I, I know that there's going to be a range of opinions. Uh, before I do continue, guys, hit that like button, hit that follow button. Make sure you're following Cop and Fracker. I I think it goes without saying that you should be supporting this show, supporting Grizz. We're having a great time with you guys, so keep it up. But back to Simicast. 
talk to me. Is this a player that you're happy is starting to have some competition or do you, or do you want to see what Simakas can produce with a run in the team? I've seen what Simakas can produce with a run in the team and it's... Um... <laughs> It, I, I, I keep saying it, and I'm, I'm not. I'm going to keep saying it until the point is hammered home. He is very much in the Nathaniel Klein zone. He doesn't do anything poorly, but he doesn't do anything great. It's literally middle of the road, and that's all it is. I, I, I want to hear oh, your opinion. If I, if I if I start, I won't finish. So Grizz, you let. <laughs> no, us... on, I want to hear your opinion. I haven't heard it. So go on. I know you're hosting, but I want to hear your opinion. <sighs> I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I'll okay. give my opinion in a minute. Go on. Yeah, yeah okay. I'll... The Greek I... Marino. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I that's think... too far, man. That's too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, think, I think the way I feel about Simikas has, has become clearer and clearer, which is when I see him play, whether it's defensively or on the ball, the, the emotion I feel most is, or the statement that always comes into my head is, is this all you can do? And I always feel like that when I, when I watch him play, whether it's the pass he chooses, whether it's the, the speed that he can overlap, whether it's his ability to make a good decision when tackling. It's just like he never does something. And, and you don't always have to be an amazing player. Example I'll give is uh, Robinson, who plays at Fulham, right, as a left-back. He's not mm. a great left-back at all. But there's times where he can either burst up the pitch or knock a great crossing or whatever, which is so much higher, like increases the team's capability of scoring or doing something good. I just never see Simicast do something that is better than what any other fullback in the Premier League can produce. So that that is where I am and that is where I'm stuck because I just think I would rather have a kid who is currently at a lower level than Simicast and eventually becomes something better than Simicast. And I'm happy to go on the journey because the other areas of the team are good enough to compensate. So that is my personal thought. Do you want to go, Ish? Or shall I go? I'm just going to quickly say, you know what it is with, uh, with Simicast? I think uh, Chris even brought it up on the, on the group chat yesterday, but he's got a serious lack of intensity for the game. And I, th- I feel like in the Prem, if you're playing wide, PMP is like a prerequisite. You absolutely need to have, you need to be an athlete to play wide in the Prem. We're even looking at rapid wingers or wingers that are converted to fullback and that they've still got that pace. But I just think with Simicast, I'm watching play sometimes and there's very little urgency. And I feel like to be that sort of lackadaisical on a ball, like kind of relaxed, you need to be exceptional technically. And he's, he's not that either. Because Trent's on time. It's that like Maxwell level, right? That's what you need yeah. to do. Trent lacks intensity sometimes, but he's so exceptional on the ball. You're like, bro, you can you can slow the game now. You can pick out a pass on a, on a sixpence. Simicast hasn't really got that either. He's got that one kind of whipped curled ball from the left. That's the only real tool he's got in his arsenal that's like above average. So I just think when I, when I watch him play sometimes, I'm just like, going forward, you're not really moving me. Going the other way, you look like you can get skin quite easily as well. So we've seen, we've kind of seen what he's, what he's, what he's good at, what he's capable of. This is kind of it for him. But we don't really want to see him be on the run that he's on right now, where he's going to be playing six, seven, eight, nine games in a row. But we're talking like we spoke about Etihad already. Like I would be looking at the next couple of games, what's Joe Gomez saying as as a left back, because I feel like look, we're going to the Etihad. He's going to be up against either Doku, 
Foden, any one of any one of the city wingers, they're causing them problems. It's 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 really not looking great for him. So I, I just think Priscilla Cass get through this run into Robertson until Robertson's back, but I don't have any particularly high expectations. My thing when I watch him play, just don't don't make any mistakes on V1. Just don't cost us a goal. Kind of get by going forward, but you're just there to fill in at the moment, which is fine. He's a squad player. This is, you don't want your squad player, like you don't always expect your squad player to kind of go above and beyond. But I have very kind of little expectations of some gas. Uh, when I watch him play, I'm just like, don't fuck up. Just just don't fuck up today. Then you've done your job. That's that's it. I don't have any big expectations otherwise. But it, I, it I think I think I, I think I'm with Ish. Yeah, I was listening to all of you guys' opinions on him, and I didn't know which way. I didn't want to. I'm, I'm not a fence sitter normally. I was ready to sit on the fence with Simicast because because <laughs> it's like what do we what do we expect from him? But then I knew someone's gonna throw the line at me like uh, we're Liverpool Football Club, where we expect our squad replacement, whoever comes in, to be of a certain ability, and the and the, and the levels of the team or the standard of the team won't drop. Really, is that possible? in all the positions, it's not. It's just not possible, guys. And sometimes you have to have those squad fillers. And when the way Ish ended his uh, monologue, no, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> the, way, the, the way Ish ended it, I agreed with everything that you said because I am just want him to come in and job done and wait for Robertson to come back. If Robertson's out, Okay, do another job. Don't make a mistake, Simicast. Like, I don't want you to be the full guy because we're kind of expecting you to be the full guy as well. So don't do what we expect. We don't expect you to be brilliant, but we don't want you to make a mistake. I think he's got brilliant delivery. I know she was asking, what does he do above average? I think he's okay. very... Can I, can I just ask, you know you're saying it's brilliant. Is it brilliant because... It's genuinely brilliant compared to most players, or is it brilliant because it's the only thing he's good at? No, nah, he's set. Okay. That's nasty, bro. That's nasty. You might be right, but it's nasty. No, I think I Are think I, okay, okay, okay. I think he's I think he's very competent with both feet. That's an attribute of his. Not many fullbacks in the modern game, or not many footballers in the modern game are what's the word two footed? Ambiped ambipedal. Yeah, you told me that a couple of weeks back. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. I forgot it. Ambi- Ambi pedal. Keeping a little dictionary for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um, yeah, he's two footed. He's very good with his right. Uh, he's competent with his right foot, which which helps him get out of trouble a lot of the times. You analyze him, you watch him carefully, and if he wasn't two footed, he'd he'd make far more errors than he actually does because his right foot. And his dribbling ability gets him out of certain situations. But I agree. He's not... I think we're so used to elite standards of fullback over the last seven years, six years. We're used to probably the best combination fullbacks in Premier League history. One of top three, right? And so our standards are so high. Simicast doesn't reach those standards. But then I'll ask the question. Who does like reach those kind of standards? But I agree with you as well, Mush, in terms of now is the time to groom someone into that role and we'd rather see the journey. But yeah. just before we get your everyone's else's opinion on that, I'm gonna say something 
early, hot take, call it what you want, harsh weather, but Chambers ain't that guy. Nah, I don't think so. Interesting. We've got, by the way, we've got two. We've got Chambers and we've got Scanlon who came on as well. So you guys can talk, talk about them as a pair. So what are you guys thinking? Chris? Scanlon looks all right. Um, I've not seen much of... So wait, you bypassed Chambers there. Is that because you are... I've, I've not, I've, I've, no, I've, I've, I've seen more of Scanlon than I have of Chambers, to be fair. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, um, whenever I've seen Scanlon for like the, the youth teams, he's looked, he's looked fairly impressive, but... It's just one of the things, isn't it? It's like, especially for a fullback, I always think it's just quite difficult, depending on where you get where you get your first exposure to top level football. So if you're going up against, you know, uh, that that tricky winger who is gonna put you in a bit of a blender, that's your first real test. And yeah, uh, Chamber, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know about Chambers, man. I feel like it might be one of those. What What is it that you're not sure about? Speed more than anything. I feel like because he was quite, was he quite heavily linked to Bayer Leverkusen in the summer? I feel like a slower league where there's a bit more space would do the world of good for him. But prove me wrong. I'm, mm. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong. Um, but I think that, that the whole when we're talking, and it's funny that we're talking about a backup left back at the end of the day, but it's a combination of so many different things. Like I feel like you're more willing to give someone a little bit of leeway. Especially if they're kind of in that 18 to 22 bracket, especially if they have like two very good borderline elite traits that they have. And obviously, we don't have that with Shimakas. I mean, he's almost like what, 27, 28. So you'd rather have someone in that capacity where you can, like, like we said, you can kind of have them to be the long term successor, successor to Robbo at the end of the day and who can give you a little bit of extra you know, a little bit of extra breathing room for him in, in games against lower opposition. But I don't know, man. I, I was adamant that we probably should have got rid of him in the summer just to bring in a centre-back who can also deputise the left-back. Like someone like a, you know, Inacio or sort of someone in that mould. But I don't okay. know. Let's just, let's just see what happens. Just very quickly on that subject about the left centre-back and like hybrid, what you what you referred to. Like someone like Gomez. Like a left foot yeah. version of Gomez would have been ideal. Have we? Because a lot of Spurs are sort of fans are getting way, way gassed, of course, as usual. <laughs> uh, but Van der Ven, did we miss guy, out man. on? Did he we miss out? On mm. He was the guy. He was the guy. I said it from the jump. I don't know mm. why we didn't get him. I think was it forty-seven million. I know it's. Is it even a lot of money in the market? It's a is lot. It? Do you know what? I think. I think. I think we were prepared to go only up to 35. And that's, I can understand, I can understand why we were only willing to go up to 35 for someone who's effectively going to be fourth fourth choice, right, lads? Third, fourth, third, fourth choice. So that's why it made sense from our perspective at the time. But of course, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And, you know, Van der Ven and Konate could have been our. I, I think Van der Ven's been phenomenal. That's what I agree. annoys me. And we're talking about like outstanding attributes as well. This guy's recovery speed is insane. Like we've been talking about us paying a, a line too too high for the last couple of seasons, bro. You, you leave this guy on his own one v one on the halfway line. I don't care who it is. He is catching them. He is elite, Great. and his tackling is good as well. He's not getting back end. Listen, Ibu sometimes gets back and he 
does the foolishness, doesn't get the ball. This guy's recovering the ball more often than not as well. He looks special, man. He looks special. I'm so glad we missed out on him. So Hackers, who's uh, not a Liverpool fan, so third ball choice, really wow. I, I actually think he would be third. Yeah, I think he's not as good as... Of not. course he'd be third but choice. He's, he, he, he's yeah. in on second. Yeah, in the second. I no, think he's now. Now, so you're saying no, I'm now. No, 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 I'm a Konate. I'm not having Konate slander because even though it's not slander, and I was going to say, even though it's not slander, you're you're raising um, Van der Ven to Konate. I look at on like slander because Konate has proved himself for two seasons now, guys. Champions League, four trophies for France as well, playing in the World Cup. Van der Ven has the potential to be a Konate. Never mind a VVD. Okay. So not, can I ask you a question, yeah? If Van der Ven, yeah, continues to play how he is, yeah, would, and for a, let's say for the remainder of the season, would you put him on Kanate's level? Or does he need to play better than he already is? He needs to play Champions League 40. He needs to play national, international 40. He needs to show me two consecutive seasons like Kanate has shown of brilliant levels. I think, and I agree with the with the opinion, Van der Ven has potential to be elite. I agree with that. But to say he's on a level with Konate already, no. Unless you're forecasting that, that's fine. I yeah, agree with the forecast. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I can't argue with the forecast of him being as good as Konate. I'm not having him as good as Konate right now. And you know, you know, man. And you know, you know, the, the kid is special. Kid no, is I special. agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. When you know that he's going to be magnificent, that's fine. I can't argue with that. I mean, let, let's talk about the man whose place he would definitely not have taken, which is our existing left centre-back, our club captain, who I think is hitting a level that is just going so under the radar and everyone is just waiting for a mistake. Everyone's talking about last season. Boys, talk to me about... The Dutch mountain that is Virgil van Dijk. Chris, I can see you're edging to talk about him. So go on, man. It's just great. It's on a different level. Like, it, I don't think people so... consider that, though, Chris. Genuinely, I think if you talk to Arsenal fans, you talk to United fans, they are still stuck on the Van Dijk is washed and genuinely believe that wagon. Mm. One, well, I... What do you expect from him? Well, let's not be cruel let's 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 not be cruel you know what i mean let's i was gonna say let's 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 let's, let's, let's keep it simple let's keep it simple. um what are you saying the pogba comment yeah manchester united fans know very little about football is, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I, I mean they're, they're still doing up vintage comparisons good god damn it because that's all they got that's all that's all they've got left that's all they've got left and arsenal fans well we know how we feel about arsenal fans you know they, they love a good tactical diddle diddle um yes. but now man what what we've seen so far from Virgil this season, bar the one incident at Newcastle, has just honestly, it's been great. It's on a different level. The guy has just come. And he, he was never going to be the same player after the injury. The way he came back after that ACL was a freak nature in itself because he, he looked like the exact same player. 
But now he's readjusted it. He's readjusted his game. He's repivoted, and the footballer he is now is absolutely unbelievable. We talk. We we we've got one of the all-time great centre backs in the Premier League already in Thiago Silva. If he continues on this trajectory, Virgil, that he's on, he can still place that top level at that age, that 38, 39, because just just the way he has just repolished his well, game. What do you think he's doing, Chris, to kind of like like you're saying he could potentially prolong his career? How Thiago Silva has. What is the what are the kind of adjustments you think he's made to to be able to kind of prolong it? So the one thing that I think we all got frustrated for last season was that he was still relying on his pace and it wasn't there to the level that it was. He's engaging a lot more now. He's winning so he, he's so much more physical. That's the one thing that's getting me. And he's he's using that aerially a lot more. He's more engaged on the ground. He's engaging engaging players in more distance. And I feel like the passing range is like expanded in a way too um, but his just overall command and the way he's bringing his level back to the standard it, it needs to be as the club captain and all the different intangibles he's bringing there and Paul Gorse wrote a really good piece um, uh, over the weekend actually I think it was before the Everton it might have been after the Everton game talking about you know how he's kind of brought back the pre-match huddle and all these different things getting the opinions of all the different players in the squad just to make sure that everyone's on the same page and we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. He's just honestly, he's just on a, such a different level now than he was simply compared to last season. I'd actually probably say from the season before. With your permission, host, can I share something? Uh, a good friend of mine tweeted today. Um, yeah. uh, Ian, who used to be part of the Fatback 4 um, on another channel that I used to be on, um, knows his football. And he what he said was, Van Dijk seems to have changed his style a little from relying on his natural athleticism and guile to becoming more combative and aggressive. Mohamed Ali done something very similar either side of his band from boxing. You have to be really special to have, um, special to have the ability to do that. Uh, it's pretty much what Chris is saying in terms of... There's a, there's a reason Chris, Chris gets paid to do what he does, man. That, that, that's... <laughs> it's, it's, it's very apparent that Van Dijk may have come to terms because it takes when you're that good right at something for so many years and you know you're good it takes a lot for you to a take it in that you may not be that good at that thing well, it's hard to accept right? do you get what i mean yeah mm -hmm. so i think last season was an acceptance maybe from virgil and i think he's totally revamped his game guys i think he's far more He's far more active. I think he's far more engaging now. He's realised that his agility and his speed can't get him out of trouble like it did. So now he has to be there first in terms of, I can give him a head start. Have you guys noticed that even the other week, on the weekend where he didn't, where he was ahead of Elanga every time, not in terms of a foot race, but he gave himself yeah. a yard to get it so and uh, yeah. Alanga is an athlete as well yeah, like rapid, insane so I think yeah I think I think I think he's adjusted his game a lot more than we, we've given him credit for well obviously we are giving him credit now but uh, and it surprised me it has surprised me so far he's been very very good even the Newcastle game guys I know you know, he got sent off, but it was a bit of a rough decision, I think, overall. But you say decision, but he was still struggling in that game, right? Like, and, and that's as a team. Like, we were absolutely on the ropes against Newcastle. Mm -hmm. But look, 
as I said, uh, elite players do that. And we've obviously seen Salah's evolution in terms of adjusting his game. And now we've seen Virgil's evolution. So two players that hopefully, hopefully can continue and prolong their career because of their game intelligence. I'm, I'm going to ask a bit of a, I don't know, people might think it's a negative question, but it's really not negative. Um, and Ish, I'll, I'll come to you first for this, but let me let me think about how I'm going to ask this. Okay, so we saw for about two to three years, at least, right, where Trent Alexander-Arnold was breaking all kinds of records for creativity, whether it was product, whether it was numbers, whether it was expected assists, everything, yeah? Do you think we have sacrificed too much of the things that Trent did for us in those 99, 97-point seasons to just fit him in the team now? Or do you think this role suits him? And the reason why I ask it is I was thinking back to the fact that when I watch Liverpool now, I don't see Trent play as many special or creative passes as we used to. Um, mm. Do you think that it's just one of those where the bigger kind of picture of the team is more important than getting something out of Trent? Or do you think something has changed in Trent himself? Um, it's, a, it's a tough one because I, he- I hear both sides of what you're saying. I hear it in the sense of, I do think now we're we are far less reliant on Trent in terms of build-up, in terms of creativity. And whereas it might not be great for Trent in terms of his individual numbers, I actually think it's better for the team. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've got more weapons now going forward I think the season the COVID season where we defended our, our title 2021 we saw really when Trent was going for his rough patch everything dried up for us in, a, in, a, in an attacking sense nothing was happening creatively because he was our kind of main outlet now we've got players on our team who can create more salary you can kind of stand up and kind of take on the mantle in that sense so I think everyone's shipping in a bit more now I don't think we'll ever see Trent again get double figures assists from okay. in that kind of right back role Unless he plays as an eight, but I still think now our team's not really catered to him as being our main creative outlet. But I think for the for the team is better. I think for the team is much better because we saw, like I said, in that COVID season when his form died, everything else seemed to die as well in terms of like us creating stuff. Now I feel like if Trent's not in the team, we saw he missed like three, four games this season already. It's not that like we don't miss him, but yo, Gomez was kicking in the inverted row. Sobazar is still creating, McAllister was still there, Salah is still there. So for me, as a team, I, I don't mind it. But I hear what you're saying. Like, I do kind of miss Trent being on the end of our attack and just playing that final ball across to Amane or Firmino. But we're asking for things that we're not going to get back again because teams start to find that out, which you saw. So we, we've now progressed. And now this new progression means that we're not seeing Trent in those positions as much. But it's good for the team. And now we've got more weapons. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. But I still kind of feel like we can get a bit more out of Trent. But Yeah. I mean, I mean... Grizz, Krish, both both of you, really. Do you think then what Ish was kind of saying of of the fact that in this new role that's expected of our right back, how Gomez has also played it on a fantastic level, is Trent elite at that role compared to the fact that we all know as a creative right back, overlapping right back, you know, he was obviously elite. I would argue the best right back ever in the Premier League in terms of that role. Do, Do you think... You even need to be elite to play this new expected right back role. Chris, hmm. 
I've, I've, I've seen things I've thought of for the first time today. I'm just listening, thinking we haven't really talked about Trent, and it's yeah, weird. That's, that's, a good, that's a good point. I think he's better. It makes us less one-dimensional that we rely on a lot more on his creativity. We don't get snuffed out a lot easier, especially when we're going against these low blocks. You know, like when Everton went down to ten men, you're not just kind of saying, "Okay, it's Trent," and whatever the hell happens after that. So we're just a lot more of a well-rounded football team. And again, that makes him more of a well-rounded footballer. So we're actually relying, I'd say we're actually a bit more reliant on his dribbling ability than his pass, than his final ball um, in these games, which is, which is phenomenal because it allows him to just develop more as a footballer. So when he does eventually make that transition into midfield or into attack, who knows? Is it, is it happening? I know we, we talk about like every step Trent takes into this like final evolution, Pokemon evolution of his. Are, are we actually going towards something? For Trent specifically, or is it just what the team requires? Which one is it? I mean, it's kind of where he plays now, though, isn't it? Like, if you look at his like average position on the pitch, he's basically a midfield. So, I mean, it's just I don't know. It, it, again, what what is what is a what is a right right back in modern football these days? And I'm glad we're not. In, there's not a lot of Chelsea fans in here saying Reese James is a modern right back. Play a game of football first; that would help. But if we've just seen like a more well-rounded footballer. Like I think, I thought he made a really good point the other day, saying that he looks a lot more athletic. Like he just looks mm. a lot more sturdy. He's a lot, he, he can engage more physically, which I is mean, helping his, build, his, his build has changed completely, right? Like oh yeah, completely. I I don't even think he can move. I don't think he is like he was before in terms of if you look how much is filled out in the shoulders and everything. Like he mm. looks like. He's been built to be more robust because he's playing centrally, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Yeah. I think. I think. I think it's uh, very apparent that he's being more aggressive, and I and I totally agree with Ish that it's a good thing that he's not our sole invent inventive uh, force. Like so many times, we actually played him there because we didn't have the technicians and ball handlers, and we don't want to go back to. The midfield and speaking about oh man blah 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 they've gone they were brilliant servants for the club whatever no problem man you know what i mean let's not do revisionism um but now we've don't like as good as trent is and we know he's magnificent on the ball we've got sabozalain McAllister, gravenberch guys and jones who are all excellent technicians so therefore, we're not relying on Trent, who still may be better than them at certain passes, but we've got the between them the skill set not to rely on Trent. And so Trent can focus on other aspects of his game, i.e. concentrating more on his defensive duties. And I think that's not been spoken about enough. I genuinely don't think it's been spoken of enough. I think he's been far more active. I think he's far more defensively aware uh, especially at the far post. And I think sometimes we overplay that. I, I, I still... Was a big I, for that. Yeah, I, I was going to say, with that defensive thing, I know we haven't... We, we weren't, um, you know, recording our show at the time. I still have no idea why Jurgen Klopp took him off against Brighton because Mitoma couldn't get past yeah. him. And Mitoma only started getting into the game when Gomez actually came on. So it was almost like Trent, Trent was the better defender. But... Um, yeah, I'm happy we had that chat. I guess the the reason why it kind of spurred a thought in my head, Grizz, was, you know when you were talking about Sabozlai, about where you put him, 
And I was like, through no fault of Trent, but because of how our tactics have evolved, he's probably more important to our team than Trent is now. If I told you Sobozlai might not play or Trent might not play, you'd probably be more devastated that Sobozlai isn't playing in, in the team. And that, that, that's probably been, been a big, big change. But last but not least, I do want to talk. We've talked so much about the, the back end of the pitch, midfield. Let's talk about some goals, man. We're scoring them for fun. Everyone's chipping in. Everyone's having a good time. And the first man I want to talk to, me and Chris have a laugh about this guy probably once every few weeks. I think, Grizz, the first few episodes we talked about Diogo Jota, it was all about stink fests covered by a goal, right? First touch, trampolining off and not doing anything. I would argue that Jota has completely flipped how he's playing to be an absolute dribbling machine at the moment, riding past challenges, fantastic goal threat as always, but he seems to be the one who's adding quality rather than ruining moves now. And I don't know how it flips. So, boys, talk to me about Diogo Jota and, and, and how this form is completely flipped. I'm going to defend myself. If you're putting me in the category of talking about Jota Stinkfest, I think I, ref I refrained from participating. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> because I don't give a shit about my forward. I Okay, let me word it right in case... You know what I mean? I don't mean it. It comes out wrong. But, okay. My forward, my forward, just my opinion on forward, especially when you've got the likes of Diaz, Salah, around him, whatever, and the midfield that we've got. I'm not overly invested in my, my forward being able to drop deep, link up, play, because you're not going to find Bobby Firmino's just like that. So if you're going to adjust the whole game and adjust the whole setup, like we have evidently, we have evidently have, and I, we spoke about it on the Red Fellas last night, how I think we're transitioning and we're actually preparing ourselves for the uh, Salah. No, no more Salah. Being our pivotal forward, we're playing Salah in a totally different role and expecting goals from Nuno and Jettos and Diaz and whatever and Gakpo. I think I want my forward with the mindset and mentality of a Jota. Because he can have a stink fest. When there's a chance to be had, he will be there. He will be there. When there's a situation that's messy and it needs a tapping, he will be there. If you're not having a great game, just the rest of the team, he will be there. He's For me, he's one of the most elite mentality-wise forwards around. Oh, really? Around. Oh, mentality-wise. We know he's not pleasing to the eye. We know he has... I'm saying he is. At the moment, he is pleasing to the eye. Okay, yeah, he has bouts of form like this where he's mad for about seven, eight games where he scores and says, and we think, Jota, and then he will suddenly have, where, oh, Jota, control that, better touch there, wherever, you know. He's not pleasing to the eye, but for me, he's my kind of striker. He's like the old... He's like the old classic Germany strikers. Did you guys ever play pro? Man, I'm going back. I'm sorry, man. A pro Revolution, Pierre Pez was the game, man. Forget all this FIFA. And the old Germany, the old classic Germany strikers were just cold-blooded, man. Like, Klinsmann wasn't pretty, but Klinsmann was there. Rudy Voller, there. He, he's got that mentality of... I mean, I would, argue, I would go Dutch there, because I'm of a certain vintage as well. And I would say someone like Roy Mackay is just Roy Mackay. Roy Mackay is a very good example. Wow. 
Very good example, very good comparison. But Jota for me, and you know what, guys? If you, <laughs> I said this on the Red Fellas last night, right? So I, I, people that I'm repeating myself, just meet me or something. Uh, but you know he's massive on the gaming, right? He plays a lot of FIFA. Yeah, yeah. Some of his goals, man, it's the shit FIFA. Like yeah. some of the glitch, little, glitch goals. Yeah. Bro, <laughs> did you see that dribble where he just went through everyone? That's the kind of shit that you can do on a PlayStation, right? And the finish at the end. Like, I genuinely yeah, think he, re now, he, re he recreates some of the moves as well that people can do on FIFA. He's a mentalist like that, man. I have the highest regard of Jota, even though he may not be everyone's cup of tea technically and aesthetically, you know. But to me, to me, he's a, he's a, he's a marksman of the highest calibre. Ish, what about you? I mean, like we, we joked earlier on, you're never afraid to give your opinion, especially when you're unimpressed. Mm. And Jota hasn't, hasn't escaped your attention before. Rough. <laughs> what are you thinking? Let's, yeah, let's, I mean, he, he's been very good the last three, let's last two games, let's say, but let's, let's call it spade a spade. He was thinking earlier on in the season. He was getting goals. Like he, he, was, he was thinking. And one thing I will never sacrifice, I hear what Grizz was saying in terms of like, like, your shooters just got to shoot really at the end of the day but I will never compromise first touch on a football pitch if the <laughs> ball is bouncing off your shin and going to your position that's for me that's non-negotiable but one thing with Jota he's always been the case stick him against the bottom 10 teams in the league he's eating he is one of those guys like if you stick him against the lesser teams in the league he will eat he's not messing about rebounds just little sweaty goals, he'll get those goals, and you need that in the season. You need the guy who's going to get you 10 to 12 goals in, in the league, and he'll get you that no matter what, no matter what form he's in, he'll still eat. That for me, like, you need that in the squad. And in terms of like backup strikers in the league, you're looking like, like what Eddie and Ketty is, Jota Alvarez. Like, he's he's definitely in the top two. Let's 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 put it like that. Apart from Alvarez, he'd say he's kind of the go to guy. And you, like I said, you need Jota, you need your guys like that. But for me, he still lacks that kind of finesse that I like in a player, but Jota, he, he, he does what he says on the team. He's going to play, he's going to shoot yeah. and score. Yeah. I don't I like mind that. that. I, I, you need your Jotters. You do need your Jotters. Like, listen, Arsenal fans right now, as much as they were Lord Gabriel Jesus, they will stop him for Jota in a heartbeat. I don't care. They, I don't care what anyone says. They will stop Jota for Gabriel Jesus in a heartbeat. If you want someone to put the ball in the back of the net, Jota is your guy. And... It, he can have, he can be having a stinker, but he'll still find a way to score. And I I've got a lot of time for Jota. He's one of those I only appreciate him when he's injured, but he can piss me off at times. But he listen, I'm not stopping Jota for many strikers, you know, in the league. I'm really not stopping him for many so strikers. I, I think that's a brilliant assessment of Ish. Like you can tell Ish is not his it's like me and Nunes. Like Nunes is not my type of striker. Right? And people jumped on the summer where I said he's not my type of striker. And said, oh, you, you didn't rate him. I said, no, if you fit, let me finish that statement. If you go back to that video where I made, I said, Jota's not my kind of striker, but he'll, Klopp will make him work for Liverpool and he'll be very effective mm. for Liverpool. He's just not my type of striker. And I think Ish is like saying the same about Jota. It might not be your stylistically preference of a striker, but you can't knock him and, and you rate him and you respect him for the, you know, like what you said, he, he does what he says on the tin. It's, it's, this is so good to hear because we're talking about a player who's probably not even in the first, you know, his fourth choice at the moment. And, and I mean, Ish, I'll come to you. But recently, after the, before the Manchester derby, actually, 
Sky put up that graphic of them all of the listed of Man United attackers and the number of goals and assists, and there were just zeros everywhere, right? And, and, and exactly. And when we flip that to what it looks like for Liverpool, where everyone's on a three, a five, a nine. Firstly, how lucky do you feel we are to have the array of attackers we do? We do? And secondly, in the years to come where this team go from transition to expectation, do you think we need more attackers than we have now? Or do you think this current crop can take us to those big trophies? I think this crop definitely can. And I think going back to what you said about United, like, do not underestimate how important it is to have four or five goals scoring in your team. Like we mm. saw already when Gakpo was down for a couple of weeks. Jota said, cool, I'll step up. And where I think we might come and done this season in terms of like the midfield area, the defensive midfield area in terms of like winning the title. I also think that our attacking kind of prowess can help us drag us that back up in that sense. So whereas I think the midfield will bring us down, I think having five genuine shooters on our team can mask a lot of those deficiencies. And when it gets to March, April time, Salah might be gone on a little five-game drought. But guess what? Jota's there. Gakpo's there. Nunes is there. So I think this season, we've seen already it's going to be you score, I score. But I think having those five attackers can really take us somewhere where we might not really belong just yet. But having those five guys... Come April, May, I really think that they're going to they're gonna have a big say in this title race. If we're still there and thereabouts, having those five guys that can all score, I think could be invaluable for us, to be honest. What about, I mean, Chris, is there, is there anyone or a, a group of players that you think in our attack should be doing better? And if so, what can they be doing better? They're all... They're all hey, we all want to share the wealth, right? We Like you said, we don't want to have over-reliance on one player. It's hard said that when we've got Mohamed Salah point at the stats that he does, but it is what it is. Um, I think they're all delivering in their own respective ways and they will all continue to do so from now to the end of the season. So I think Nunes coming into his element is just fantastic for every single footballer involved because it just means there is that presence that's consistently going to be in the box. So we've seen it with Sabah's live. We've, we've definitely seen it with, with Salah. Those two, that, that, their connection is unbelievable. Um, and that's why obviously, you know, as much as it kind of like was a bit of a blow not having Diaz at the weekend, we had Jota who can come in and his impact was like that. He picked up exactly where he left off against Toulouse because he was one of the better players in that game. And what we've seen, and you know, it, it's so funny when we're talking about Jota, like what happened against Spurs was just so bad. Like words can't describe just how <laughs> smelly that. that cameo was. Like, that might need its own segment just where we just <laughs> go through like every like in- intricate detail about how bad it was. But he's come, you got to give the guy credit. He's come back from that and he's just looked a million times better. He's again, he's assured in what he does. Maybe it's because he's racked up his ultimate team by now and he's got it sorted <laughs> for the rest of the season. Um, so that, that might be a big factor. But he was phenomenal against Everton, he didn't score. But then the two games after, he gets his goals and you can just see the confidence seeping through him. He's just a lot more confident on the ball. He, you know, obviously, he can play inside now. So the, it, it, having those guys and then having it been supplemented with technical abundance in midfield well, to take the line. Chris, what, what, what do you think about Gakpo? Do you think he's doing the right things or do you think there's more that he can be doing? After the start of the season, I wasn't too sure what the manager wanted from him. Obviously, playing in mid midfield and the under-reliance of a, of a false nine, but 
he's going to have these moments to play in you know games away from home where we're probably not going to see a lot a lot of the ball. Does he play against City away? That's, I think that's going to be the big the big test really. But I, as long as just he as long as he does his job and just puts the ball in the back of the net, that's all I can ask from him. Mm, I hear you. I hear you. And I think I think that's the big thing, right? It's like all of you guys have been saying it in terms of not ev- no football club has every player in form at the same time. But the thing is, when your best players aren't in form, how good are the other players to compensate for that? And, you know, the likes of Arsenal have seen that when the likes of Osaka aren't doing well, it's very difficult for a Fabio Vieira or someone like that to come in and, and deputise. We are so lucky that the, the level drop between our on-form attacker and the attacker coming in is almost non-existent. Sometimes the level of attacker coming on is even better than the one who's been playing. So... Yeah. It's so apparent, though. It's so apparent because I genuinely believe we win at Brighton if Gakpo and Jota were available as the subs. How many times have we brought on yeah. one of those or one of our five to come and change the game or finish off a game? It's happened almost weekly, right? So we were winning 2-1 at Brighton, right? And yeah. we weren't able to make the changes. We were because we had no, yeah. we had no subs. And we would have brought them on, fresh impetus, pressing like demons as they do, pace on the counter. We would have Definitely, definitely one at Brighton. It just shows Jota, you what it is. Jota was 100% the one, Brighton, where even towards the end of the game, we're still getting those chances. If there was one chances. man, you, you if there was one man, you'd stick a tenner on to kind of like get put it in the back of the net by any means necessary. If he went off, off, off his ass, off the side of his face, he will put the ball in the back of the net and he's the one guy you put your money on. Yeah. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wanted to, just before we go, we obviously got a game tomorrow, guys. Cup game. You guys, we saw our team, you know, season before last, win both cups. I feel mm. I feel like it created a good appetite in the club to want to mm. win kinds of cups. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've all talked about how good this squad is and how good the quality is. Everyone's got minutes in their legs. Do you want to see us pushing for these cups or is it one of those where... The league campaign stronger than you thought, and you'd rather we focus on the league. Where are you guys sitting on this? I'm trying to win it. I'm trying to win it and trying to get that day out to Wembley again, man. That's what it's all about. Nice. And like Jose Mourinho talked about how important that League Cup was in 0405 to winning the title and to getting that first belt under with the new players. I think if we can get some Boslai's, McAllister's, and, and Nunes as that first trophy for us, come the end of the season. I, we need that. We need that. And there's not that many hard teams left in it if you're looking at it really. City yeah, around. a lot of them went out in the last round, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you've got, you know, and then you've got to play each other as well. So I think we should be looking, we should be looking at that. I think we'll go stronger than we might or think as well. Tomorrow. I think we might go quite strong for it. I mean, it's, it's, like a Virgil sign. Is Bournemouth away? Uh, are you guys kind of conscious of any kind of threat? Bournemouth recorded a win. Um, on the weekend, Semenya with a really good goal, Billing from the halfway line getting a goal. They're coming in with some belief. Do you think that they'll go with the strong lineup, or is survival so important for them that they might forego? The I think I think their manager's under pressure, huge pressure. Um, Iriola, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought in with a big reputation, this and that, and I think he's fighting for to save his job. Apparently, um, yeah. No, the owners were at the game on Saturday, but I think it's kind of like. 
Say no more. Yeah. Say especially, no more. See, especially when you see what Gary O'Neill's doing at Wolves as well, which is a short turnaround. Hurts. That hurts. Like, yeah, it must hurt. Smoked, yeah, him. smoked him on Monday Night Football as well. Told him uh, all the tactics. <laughs> like, yo, yeah. I can't believe you. I didn't even know what I was going to do. Like, crazy. Crazy. Uh, crazy. I... I I'm absolutely with Ish in terms of I want to win this. The feel-good factor, especially f- with the new team. Like, if this was last season's squad, I would have said, I can't give a shit. I need <laughs> to get... No, but you get what I mean? They've won that. They've yeah, been there. Yeah, yeah. I need yeah. to focus on the Premier League with these brothers. But because of the new players, they need to feel what it's like winning with Liverpool. Anything. And League Cup, as you said, Mourinho talked about it. So the likes of Nunes, Sabozalai, McAllister, these guys need to know what it's like winning a trophy at Wembley and it breeds good, strong mentality. So I'm up for it. In terms of team lineups, I don't think we're going to go as strong as some people think. I think it's going to be usual midweek lineup. What, which you, has think, done... you think we're going to see a doke? I don't think he's but been he's training long enough. Training. I mean, yeah, day, I yeah, think. yeah. I think I think we may see. I don't know, man. We may see yeah, Salah. I don't know what you guys think. Salah might do sixty, I reckon, and then Elliot maybe. But Salah didn't play, play against Strasbourg, so he so so Klopp did pull rank. And I mean, normally Salah, we say yeah. Normally we say yeah, Salah, yeah, yeah. Look, try putting taking him off the pitch, but I don't know, man. Gakpo's a definite star, I'd say. Definite. I think Elliot will start. Diaz, of course not, right? So that changes the plans a bit. Because if Diaz was available, Jones, Jones back, definite, yeah, definite back, starter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think Jones, Elliot, Endo, I think our midfield picks itself. Mm. Okay. Jones, Elliot, Endo. What about centre backs? Is it Kwanzaa? Is it Kwanzaa Matic? Gomez? Okay. Kwanzaa Matic. What do you think? The problem with Kwanzaa Matic, that's so much of a muchness. Both of them are like, yeah, you defend now, nah, you defend now. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need some, I need. Um, That's I what need, I'm saying. Ish knows, Ish knows. But Matip has been that oomph guy this season, man, guys. Let's just, I know we haven't touched upon Matip, but you've got to praise the guy. Like, I'm with his big, biggest critic. Humble pipe, bro. Humble pipe. The guy has shown me fighting spirit. I didn't know Matip had it in him. I didn't think Matic show me your own goal as well, though. Show me a laugh on that own goal as well. Listen, he was the best defender on the pitch that day. He was. He was. He was. He was a warrior, man. He was. He was. I hate that had to be him, but no, no, no. The two of them together. I don't like that combo. I don't like. I don't like that combo either. But what about left back? Do you think? Do you think Chambers gets another game? Yeah, I think. I think it's going to be another Chambers job. Yeah. But the Gomez one is the interesting one then, because if if Gomez. Like Chris is saying, might start centre back, or we're we might we're suggesting he might instead of Kwanzaa because he didn't start Kwanzaa against Strasbourg, so may, he may think let's just go with the official third and fourth choices, which is Gomez and Matip. But then, does that mean Trent starts? I think Trent needs to start. I think Trent needs a game where he is by far and away the best player on the pitch and has one of them ego boost kind of games. I would actually start him because I don't. Didn't he? Sorry. He started against Toulouse, didn't he, Trent? Yeah, yeah he started against Toulouse. Yeah. I, I, think, I, would... I think a big thing is that his um, role now isn't too high energy. I don't think it's it's like it takes a lot out of him to play it. So playing mm. it 
twice a week isn't too much of an issue, I think. You can see he's a lot more relaxed. But then if we've picked that team that we picked, then who goes up front then? Because Doak's a, not a massive loss, but Doak would have been ideal for these games to give him experience and match time. So I don't think he's going to throw in Doak unless he's been training longer than a couple of days. So what, do, you like, think, do you think Jota starts again? What's the front three? Gakpo definitely starts. Who else? Is Kay Gordon back at all? Yeah. Mm, yeah, but I think he's, he's back. But he's, yeah, I don't think he's ready to start because he, he's only yeah. played a couple of small stints in the end. How about the comments, guys? Who would you start as a front three? Unless, unless Elliot starts right wing. That's and what I'm thinking. And then Gravenberch. Yeah. No, no, Gravenberch. Continue with Gravenberch. Yeah. Because he took him off after 60 minutes, remember? Mm. Yeah, I don't think he was great. I don't think he had his best game against Forest. So maybe, maybe I, t- again, I told Mush this. I said, I said, I said, I, this might be. Back. I told Mush that as well. I said, Gravenberch had his yeah. weakest game against the, uh, the other day. But I think Gravenberch goes again, you know. I think Elliot starts on the right. Do you think we're rinsing Gravenberch a bit in terms of how many no, games? No, man. He hasn't played football for two years, <laughs> man. He needs to play. Yeah, you, you, I was going to say, that was like the first time. He went on the gap yet. He went on the gap yet. Elliot Gakpo and Jota, AK says. Um, Gakpo, yeah, Jota, yeah, Harvey. Would you guys let... You know how Gakpo had a lot of success on the left at PSV? Would you give him a run on the left or is it up front or nothing for Gakpo? We haven't seen it in a Liverpool shirt. I don't, I don't really have any, like, any comparison for us, at least. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. Wouldn't be against it at all. I'm not sure if he's got the pace to be on, be off the wing. Do anything. He'd play it differently. He'd play it like a equivalent of an Elliot on the right. Yeah. How Elliot plays the Salah role, Gakpo would play that like the, like that that version of on the left. I don't like Gakpo wide. I've never liked Gakpo wide. They can't both start on a wing. Elliot yeah. and Gakpo. My opinion on Gakpo. Pre-Liverpool was based on his wide performances, hence why I didn't rate him. But again, he's another one who's taught me that I don't know nothing about football, where he's 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 changed his game, or Klopp has changed his game to be very effective through the middle. So I think Gakpo is likely to start in the middle. And then we'll I'd, Jota on I'd, the left. I'd, with rest Nunes, right? We all agree. Yeah. I don't know, man. I like seeing Nunes eat, man. I like seeing Nunes get some get that goal tally up, man. Nah, man. You never know when it's gonna come though. The games that you're like, yeah, he's gonna get a brace today. It's easy. He'll he'll be <laughs> So like, he, there's no point banking on Nunes goals. But listen, I think it'll be this. I think it'll be Gakpo, Jota, and Harvey. Yeah. And and I yeah. think Gravenberch, Jones, and Endo. Endo. Okay. And then what? Kwanzaa, Matip, Trent, and Chambers. That's what we're saying. I think Trent might rest and Gomez start. Okay, cool. Okay, I, I can yeah, see. But definitely Chambers, yeah. And then what, Kelleher, Kelleher and goal? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, he needs to have a better game than he did against oh, lose Because, yeah. yeah, one of the goals went straight through it. Well, no, the goal went straight through him and then he nearly conceded. Again, it's one of those positions where have some rhythm and game time and it's very hard to come in now and again I, I, it's hard but he normally, normally does it so well this is why this whole mm. like, best backup goalie in the world 
stuff even he's, got, he's got the worst job in the world as well when you think about it yeah. deputised for the greatest goalkeeper in world football <laughs> so but again you could say he's learning from the absolute very like he's still 20 24 maybe 23 mm. 24 he's got time mm. but he's, he's literally watching greatness every single I would argue it's the best job in the world I'd love to watch Alisson in training every single day full of master saves after master it's different so. watching it it's different watching it than replicating though isn't it you know what I mean <laughs> very like, no, but I definitely to... want to win tomorrow, though, you know, lads. Certainly, like, yeah, I can't do that. I definitely want to go through because you're right. I think Mush mentioned it. Like, a lot of teams are out. A lot... Yeah. And, and, and tomorrow, one of Man United and Newcastle are out. And West Ham and Arsenal are out. So, I'm telling you, there's so no one left in this competition. Like, we need West to win. Ham, tomorrow is West Ham v Arsenal and yeah. Man United versus Newcastle. Two yeah. of those... And we need to get through. We go through. We're clear faves. Cool, man. Well, everyone in the comments, before we do leave you, please make sure you leave that like. Make sure you leave another comment. Recommend it to your friends. Tell your friends to recommend it to another friend. I cannot wait to see you guys again. We'll be back on our normal slot time of Monday nights. Um, Krish. Maybe a last plug of everything Cop End, because I think Cop End Fracker deserve another another spotlight. Everything Cop End, man. Um, Wednesdays over on uh, on the Touchline Fracas feed, you can find the main pod, um, which will this for this week for people who haven't been able to watch it will be at this show. So thank you very much for getting on on the audios, but be sure to check on the videos as well. Um, Patreon page, we are booming over the Patreon page. You are guaranteed free bonus shows per week uh where we preview and review the games in a bit more depth um in the past few in the past, in, in past literally two weeks and kind of upcoming i sat down with christian Ford, talked about all things bundesliga we talked about max erbel uh, potentially coming to liverpool or Bayern munich we talked about the links to Leroy sane and jamal musiala uh, and we talked about we, we talked actually we, we talked about a lot. We talked about the Ryan Gravenberg situation of Bayern Munich and the road that led him to Liverpool, and we talked about Javi Alonso and what path he potentially taking his managerial career. Uh, I will also be sitting down with I say sitting down. It will be over Streamyard um, with a Fluminense fan as they prepare for the biggest game of their recent life in the Copa Libertadores final on sun saturday saturday sunday um it's gonna be early in the morning taking on boca juniors in the maracanana that will be one to watch for sure because we will have all eyes on andre and that will be the player we will be talking about so yeah man patreon.com forward slash copper and fracas uh three pounds a month for all of our bonus content so if you do like what you've heard from myself ish mush and grizma drop on now and then um please be sure to sign up for that but yeah, um, we are across TikTok, we are across Twitter, we are across Instagram. It is Cop and Fracas, uh, and you can find some of the funniest tweets, the most insightful tweets, and just a real good community of guys. Um, so yeah, come be part of the family. I'm actually waiting for an invite. I have another invite, so I just want to like reveal that I have another invite. I just want to <laughs> like out you lot. Just have another invite. Listen, the invite's always open. I'm that's, just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not in that man. Listen, your daughter it. needs some time. All right. There's only so much you can talk about at Liverpool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let that let that little angel hit six months before before we start. You know, you get on an episode. Right. You Why, got me. You got me. <laughs> bide your time like a 2018 Fabinho. All right, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me. <laughs> well, thank you very much, everyone. The pleasure's been ours. Peace and prayers to you. Take care.
Social Podcast Network.